Marcus steps up and buries it. This will be a wonderful goal. You're listening to the ESPN Footy Podcast. Hello and welcome to the ESPN Footy Pod. Daisy's D's have done it. It was a big day for alliteration. It was a big day for the Demons. And it was a big day for footy as the AFLW wrapped up Season 7 with the Grand Final. As I said, it was the Demons getting up over the Lions, uh, 19-15 to 15 up in Springers. It went off, but not in the way many would have expected and not in the way Brisbane Lions fans were hoping for it to go off. But naturally, such a tense, crazy amazing game means that there is lots to talk about so we cannot wait to take you through all of it before we crack in we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today the Wurundjeri and Bunurong people and pay our respects to their elders past and present for our final episode of the season you have me Marissa Lodanik, Anna Harrington and Sarah Burt First and foremost, a delight to have both of you on at the same time. It hasn't been often this season that we've got all three of us on, so the fact that we have made this work for the grand final, I am personally very stoked. But what a game we have to talk about. It was phenomenal. It was grinding, intense, suffocating footy, and that doesn't sound like it would be interesting or entertaining, but when you have a premiership on the line, it's funny how these things end up being very, very entertaining At the end of the day, like I said, the Ds came out on top. So I suppose, how do we sum up this grand final? What is the tweet to sum up this grand final, Anna? Uh, It's not a tweet. It was Daisy Pierce's comment in the Channel 7 interview. They invited the wrong team to their housewarming. It it just captured everything, like the week, the speculation about the venue, the toing and froing, the will it be in Marvel, will Brisbane get a home final, what's the go with the venue, is it good, is it right? Um, I think Melbourne after sort of failing on the big stage in Adelaide, um, not even the year before, like months ago. Um, yeah, I just felt like it captured the whole day, the relief, the, um, anticipation and yeah, that, that was it really. Like, I mean, Brisbane got off to such a really fast start and for me, I'm sure I wasn't alone in thinking, oh geez, Melbourne have got overwhelmed by the occasion again when they conceded the first couple of goals and then Nat Greider put in that huge tackle as well to to deny them their own goal. But to their credit, they stuck at it. They turned it around. They started to get things turning in their favour. And then most crucially, um, it was probably one of the most backs-to-the-wall efforts I've, I've ever seen in, in women's footy, like the way they defended for their lives. I'm sure they would have loved to have got one goal just to sort of relieve the pressure a bit. But, yeah, I mean, I think I tweeted it that um, – Melbourne have played so much pretty footy in the past but haven't got the rewards in terms of a premiership and this was really not the way that they would play normally but got the result and sometimes finals aren't pretty but yeah you don't you don't need to play pretty footy to to win a flag Sarah did this game kind of pan out how you expected it to we previewed it obviously a lot throughout the entire season we kind of had Melbourne and Brisbane as being the teams up there but did this game actually pan out how you pictured or imagined? No, I I thought we were going to see Brizzy win. Um, I thought it was going to be um, probably as contested as it was. I thought it was going to be two incredible sides fighting it out. I think we all knew it wasn't going to be a blowout. Um, initially, though, 
I was sitting there in the first quarter thinking, oh, like maybe this could be a blowout. Maybe this could be something that we totally didn't expect. But uh, as we know with these teams, both of these teams, they're not going to rest on their laurels and they um, they really change things up. I think um, when they had um, a few people come off, um, Karen Paxman came off at one point, they had to switch things around. So I think they it really just came down to Melbourne probably wanting it more but which is probably very hard for Brisbane to hear but I also think um, in terms of and I know I talked about it last week a full team effort it really was because when you look at the stats particularly from Melbourne there wasn't anyone that really had an absolutely dominating game and I mean we know that from the best on ground being from the other team which was odd in itself Um, But we know that every single person played their role and it wasn't a one-man effort. Um, And so I think going back to what Anna just said, to quote Daisy Pearce, when she was speaking to Channel 7 after the game, she said her question of retirement got brought up and she said, just don't ruin this moment for me, just let me enjoy it. And she wanted to soak it up. And I think that was really important um, when you look at the game, that they just wanted to soak it up. They knew that this is probably... They have got some older players, so they've probably got some that um, are going to be heading off soon. We've already seen in the media today that Karen Paxman might be heading to Fremantle, which is random as. But we know that, yeah, (laughs) I know, bombshell. But um, there's, uh, who knows if there's any truth to that, but it is out there. But but I think that was a thing. They were all playing for each other. And I know they always say that, that we're playing for each other and it's for the love of footy. But you actually could really see that from the Demons. And um, I think they knew they just wanted to soak it up and enjoy it. And um, they knew what they had to do and they all just played their role. And, um, yeah, I don't know if I can fit any more. <laughs> um, I don't know what the word is. You know Cliches? what I'm trying to say. Clichés, that's the word. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it's been a long day um yes but they but they really did because when you look at the stats there was no one that had an absolute belter there's a few of them that had really good games but um it wasn't dominated by one person so I thought that was the really impressive part and you saw that in the second quarter when they came out even when they were struggling to get ahead on the scoreboard they were dominating the play so it was only a matter of time it was either going to be a really heartbreaking loss again or the floodgates had to open at some point and um eventually the floodgates didn't really open but eventually they got over the line so yeah I mean if the team if if the floodgates were ever going to open for one team it would have been Melbourne I felt after quarter time but it just shows how good that Brisbane defense was like and I know Shannon Campbell best on ground and as awkward as it is when a player in the losing team claims it like I think you'd be pretty I know it was a little bit of a split in the panel but I think it'd be pretty hard pressed to disagree like it felt like she repelled everything was great one-on-one was marking it was using the ball really well let's not forget that they effectively didn't have Brie Conan after um relatively early on in the match it's since been found out she has a PCL injury it didn't look comfortable at the time but yeah Campbell was fantastic but I think what you say there is spot on Sarah they didn't rely on multiple stars or one or two stars stepping up. I think that's maybe been a little bit of their theme throughout the year, Melbourne. And we've talked about it in previous weeks, players like West and Purcell being able to add those contributions to the midfield, less reliance on Paxman. And obviously Daisy Pierce, um, Lauren Pierce was very good as well. I thought um, Jesse Wardlaw completely shut out of the game. Um, and I was really happy for Taylor Harris kicking what was ultimately the winning goal, really, like after missing an earlier shot. We know she's lost the three grand finals in the past. Number four wins it. Um, yeah, they were just so strong around the park. And it was interesting reading 
think some of the post-match reaction it might be on afl.com.au from from emily bates just saying that Mel, that sorry that brisbane maybe felt a bit flatter and not so fast out of the blocks as they normally do i don't know if it's the occasion or the stress over the venue or or maybe yeah maybe just the expectation can get to you but melbourne obviously had you'd say that next level of hunger but i did like what you said there sarah the quote from daisy pierce i really loved as well like the, the don't ruin this moment for me because it must have been so difficult this week especially and it, to be honest the past couple of seasons um she isn't the sort of person that wants the limelight in that regard she doesn't want to make it all about her and it was interesting hearing her say that it made her really uncomfortable the focus on her and we know the Herald Sun the day before had the do it for Daisy sort of stuff um which would have been a really awkward thing for for her to deal with. And it's it's an awkward situation for all players, I think, when you're getting towards the tail end of your career because people want to know, are you going on or are you t- retiring? But at the same time, you kind of want to celebrate what they've been able to do. And um, it's really going to be her decision what she ends up doing at the end of it. But, yeah, I was glad that she was able to really to relish that moment. And it felt like, as you say, so you don't know how many of these players will stick around premiership teams you're always going to have one or two go because you have trades, delistings, injuries, retirements, whatever. But it feels like Melbourne really needed to make the most of of this window while they've got so many of these superstars and big names and you can't not be happy for them. I think that they've finally managed to break through. Um, and the way you heard Daisy Pierce talk about Mick Stinier and the culture he's, he's set there and the way he's built that program. Um, and to be honest, Daisy could probably give herself a bit more credit here as one of the leaders of that um, group they have been one of the consistent top teams. I think the stat that was set on the broadcast is they've won more games than anyone else in the AFLW. It was just, you know, getting that final hurdle over. So, yeah, for me, it it felt like a deserved win for Melbourne. Do you know what's interesting? We just I know I can keep talking about the stats. Taylor Harris got that goal. She only had four disposals all game. So I think that's really that's a really telling number because when their players do get the ball, they actually do something with it rather than just kicking it around and and just trying to get the ball. They actually do something with it. And I think that's probably where they won. Daisy Pierce only had seven disposals. But again, they, you know, the Maddie Gay had 15 and that was almost one of their, their highest numbers. So I think that's, you know, that is not, it's an impressive number, but it's not huge because we've seen, we've now seen in the league players get 30 plus disposals in games or at that level. So it's really interesting to see those sort of low numbers, but they're obviously capitalizing on it when they do get the ball. Well, Kate Hoare didn't kick a goal and that would be a pretty rare occurrence for her, but I thought her work when she got thrown behind the ball in the second half to help defend that lead was some of the most influential on the park. Like when you can turn to a player like that and go, you're normally such a killer for us in attack, but go back and save the game because you're so good in the air, you read the ball so well. It's a bit of a cheat code. Um, and, you know, you look at players like um, like Macken only had five touches, but one of them was that goal, like Melbourne's first goal of the game, where you, they just needed someone to drill it, and she did exactly that. Um, and I'm sure players like Bannon, like six touches, but, you know, the the effort to get it to Macken for that first goal, just some of the pressure, some of the running. Um, I think it was Goldrick who did the, the job on Wardlaw who barely touched it, like – they're all little moments and they're little things. And that I'm sure when they go back and watch these replays and I watch it surely hundreds of times <laughs> benefits of an AFLW game being a bit shorter as well. Um, they'll picking out, they'll be picking out all those little moments, Melbourne, where they just found a way. And I think that was, as you say, probably the difference. Uh, I do feel like they smashed Brisbane around the clearances and around stoppages really after quarter time. They just felt so dominant 
And to me, it really did feel like it was mostly just Brisbane's defense and probably some pretty brave efforts from your um I think I feel like Bates was below her best, Anderson below her best, but you know, they're pretty they're always reliable, so they were still contributing. It's really only a few of those efforts that stopped Melbourne from really actually getting on top, I guess, scoreboard wise as well. Both Daisy Pierce and Brie Conan spoke about moments in grand final. So I'm curious if either of you have a moment that you think either won Melbourne the game, lost Brisbane the game, turned things around, or just it's something that you'll always remember from this grand final. What was the moment for for you two? I mean, I'm I'm hard pressed to go past that Melbourne goal. It felt like the the pressure reliever for me. Uh, I think Conan going down was pretty was a pretty big one as well. Like that's got to be pretty demoralizing. Um, yeah, I thought easily that that Grider tackle could have been the moment, like the Heath Shaw style moment. Um, and for plenty of other teams, if they didn't have that sort of resilience, it would have been the one that just swung things in Brisbane's favor. But it wasn't to be. So I think I've probably got to pick that I was I was expecting it to be when um when Purcell just picked out Taylor Harris but Harris missed so yeah I mean obviously the the Taylor Harris goal is the moment because it puts Melbourne ahead they never lose the lead from there but I I just felt like the Mackin goal was the one that steadied them and made them believe and they sort of got back into it from there I hate to agree with you because it doesn't make for very good content, but I think so too because it you're right it relieved the pressure and I think as we said, well, sorry, as I said, I won't put words in your mouth, but in the first quarter, I was like, oh, maybe we're actually going to see a blowout between these two teams that we haven't really seen before. But once they got that goal from Mackin, they started to believe that they were in it. They were back in it. And also because it was finally capitalising on the dominance that they'd had around the ball and, as you said, clearances in that second quarter, they finally started to see a bit of reward for effort. So I think that was the moment of the game. Um, Not that we really knew it at the time, but um, I definitely think that that's where things sort of started to really look up for Melbourne. So I would have to agree. And then post-match when Daisy gave the little Oz kicker her medal, that was beautiful. I also love when Daisy just sort of, it was with about a minute to go and Melbourne were just sort of holding on. I think they might have been streaming for it. She just about ran through someone in the last minute to just force a force a contest, spill the ball. They had a few moments like that in that last sort of two minutes, just desperation. Like you could feel like with Melbourne, that once it got, it was still only about four points or whatever, but you could feel as it got into that last two minutes, they weren't going to lose it. They just felt so well set up behind the ball. They just had the belief. Yeah, I guess they just had, yeah everything going for them from then on, um, which is so odd to say, given, you know, the margin, apart from when Brisbane led early, never got beyond the goal. But it just sometimes you get that feeling when you're watching a game, you're like, once once Taylor Harris put the, the goal to put them in front through, you, it never really felt like Melbourne were going to concede it again, like lose it again. So not to make it a, Queen, a clean sweep, a queen sleep, a clean sweep of agreement. But I do think it's specifically the intersection of Mackin's goal and Conan coming off because those two things really, I think, I don't know math words, but the two lines meeting in that specific moment and then going off in their different tra- trajectories, that that's it for me. And that's obviously something we only realise with hindsight, but um yeah, just that perfect little combination of those two moments and what they meant for their respective sides. That was really it for me. But obviously footy is 
a lot about numbers and stats and actual play, but it's also big on narratives. So we need to delve into some of these narratives because they're absolutely enormous. We've already touched on Daisy a little bit, but because of who she is, I think she deserves a little bit more airtime. And even though she absolutely hated it, as you guys mentioned earlier, there really was a sense of doing it for Daisy and we need to do this for Daisy. The Ds need to do this for Daisy so that if, big if, this is her last ever game, she gets to go out with a premiership, which is probably the best way for her AFLW career to potentially end. So um, I suppose are there any further reflections just on on Daisy and what this means for her, but I suppose the wider context of the AFLW as well and what she represents in this competition, if that makes sense? Um, I think that, um, I mean, we all know it means a lot and um, we saw that in the vision, we were always going to see that. That photo of Daisy and Mick Stinia hugging and crying was just so, you could just see the relief. And I think that was a really huge thing is that it's been so built up for so long. There's always going to be joy when you win something like a grand final, but there was pure relief and it possibly took a bit of the pressure off Daisy after all of this conversation about what she's doing next year and she's the best player in the league, but she's never run a grand final and blah, 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 blah. I think it was probably just a bit of a release of that pressure gauge for her knowing that she's sort of, she's reached that tip of the iceberg now in AFLW. She can add that to the resume. And now her decision to whether she stays in the game or doesn't, it's not going to rely on whether or not she's won a premiership. And she's she's always said that it doesn't, but there's got to be some level of, you know, during the week last week, she did say, of, of course I want to win one. Of course I do. And you do have to wonder if them bringing season seven forward and having the two seasons in one year was the main reason that she decided to play on. Because I suppose she, as she said, she was able to keep up fitness and, and it didn't mean that she had to wait a whole other year to, to have another go. Um, so it's, it's interesting. And, and you could tell that too, because she, when she said, let me enjoy this, I just want to enjoy this. And she doesn't want to think about it yet. So it will be interesting to see sort of where she comes at with that. But I think for her, it was just reaching that tip of the iceberg and yeah, releasing that pressure because there's so much public conversation around it that she's, she probably just needed to do that. And, um, and now she can sort of think about her footy future without that sort of lingering over her. She's a winner as well. Like um, people that, not in this pod included, obviously, but people who have only been following since the AFLW years don't realise she won something ridiculous like 10 flags at Darabin. Like she was winning State of Origin. She was winning everything. Uh, like that's that's what she's used to. So it would have been stinging. It would have been burning, especially as the league's got more professional and the seasons have got longer and if you're Melbourne, you probably feel like you've, um, you know, say the year where the Bulldogs won the flag, it basically getting into the grand final came down to like, um, I think Alicia Newman missing a goal effectively in the last round, right? So it's like you have all these little things that you feel have stacked against you, and yeah, to have, um, and it, it, there are a lot of parallels I think with the the men's comp with Patrick Dangerfield, where people question your legacy based on whether you've won a flag or not, um, and I imagine that would have been difficult because she's been she has been a pioneer. And she's been such a great spokesperson for the league, advocate for the league. Um, and as a player, just a top player. And I think a lot of people are probably really unlucky that they've not got to see her at her peak because the her peak came before this league was even a thing, right? Um, so 
I imagine for her to play a role and to still, you know, she kicked that goal in the prelim as well. Like to get the flag, it, I think it's exactly what Sarah said. It's the, it's the pressure just being released. And it'd be fantastic if she played on, to be honest, to be able to have a season where it's not all about the, can you finally win a flag? Like she may well have made a decision already. She might not have. And I love that she was able to clearly just after that initial interview with Abby, really just focus on the celebration and enjoy the moment and enjoy it with, I think there's five of them from the original season one team in Melbourne that are all, you know, been a part of this team that's been so close, but so far for so many years. So yeah, it's fantastic. It adds a nice little, little touch to her legacy. And I think whatever she decides to do, um, and she's got that coaching gig at Geelong waiting and she can take that, I think either next year or the year after, you know, it's yeah, it's great. And she's a good person. That's the thing. I think Libby Birch sort of was waxing lyrical um, on her, her post-match interview about what a great person she was. They're happy they could, yeah, that they could all do it for each other. So it's, yeah, it's great to see. I hope she's able to enjoy it and, you know, take some time to decide what she wants to do because sort of as you alluded to now, we're going to have the long break again before the next season and before the next preseason. So I think she has got the time to, to do that, but yeah, it's fantastic. The other one, Marissa, I might be stealing your segue. I was really happy for Taylor Harris. I feel like she's really – and, yeah, you you control your own performances in games to an extent, but when you're playing as a key forward especially, it can be quite difficult to to control everything. But, you know, grand finals haven't worked for her in the past. She's, you know, she had a zip from three and hadn't, you know, exactly started any of them. But um, we know the vitriol she's copped in the past just for being, you know, a prolific footballer who – has opinions and who dared to have a good looking kicking action. Like, like she's copped so much over the years for such a young player who's actually a, a really quality person. We saw comments from Daisy Pierce that have been um, on different news websites today about how she'd love her, her daughter Sylvie to, to be, if she was a daughter, anything like what Taylor is for her parents, she'd be wrapped. Right. And they, they've known a lot of these players have known Taylor since the sort of exhibition games. And she is a, a good person, a good player who I think who's, contested marking is as good as anyone in the game she's added a lot to Melbourne especially with being able to pinch hit in the ruck for Lauren Pierce and yeah no one deserves to cop three grand final losses so you couldn't I feel like you could not be happy for her seeing her get you know get the win and also to play the pivotal role in it as well kicking the goals is fantastic and yeah it's it's nice to see players get that reward also, I just loved, and I sent this to you two in our little group chat, the the photo of her running around the ground with the Premiership Cup on her head. It delighted me in ways I can't even explain. Um, and I thought it was, just, it seemed very Taylor Harris without knowing her to just run around with the literal Premiership Cup on her head as a helmet where she couldn't see anything. Thought it was absolute perfection, but um, Taylor's actually a really good segue to one final thing that I wanted to talk about. We all know her numbers, her stats in grand finals were no good, obviously good enough to get to several grand finals, but had never actually tasted that success. The Brisbane Lions are exactly the same in this was their fourth grand final, but they only have one trophy out of those four grand finals. So I suppose how do we assess Brisbane season how do we assess them and I'm thinking along the lines of the the chat we had about dynasties with Adelaide last season and how successful they've been Brisbane have (laughs) Brisbane have been just as present in grand finals they have been obviously one of the benchmark teams in this competition but just haven't 
gotten those trophies. So how do you guys kind of assess how will history, that's a big question, how will history remember these Brisbane Lions, but how will they kind of, um, I suppose, react and feel about another unsuccessful season, even though they have done well enough to get to a grand final? Oh, it's really, I feel quite sad for them. And I mean, obviously it's an emotional, a very emotional thing for anyone to lose a grand final. But when you listen to things like what Emily Bates has said about how it's just genuinely heart-wrenching, you really do feel for them. And particularly to talk on Emily, she's had a really good season, but didn't make the All-Australian team, was best in Ferris last year and, and didn't, quite level up to the season she had last year and there's always that pressure when you are best and fairest of are you going to continue that sort of trajectory and I think particularly it's interesting to hear from her because it's obviously she's had such immense individual success this year we forget it's all in the same year um but you know, she she wasn't able to deliver for her team. And it's, I mean, it's on all of them. It's not just on her. But I think for someone who has been given such individual honour for how well they can play, it must be even more heartbreaking to not be able to really deliver that for your team when you're in that situation where you can. But I think it's um it's ridiculous because when when you look at this season, they were the best team. They were the ones to beat. They were the strongest every single week. They were consistent and they had they had what it took to win. And it just comes down to finals footy. And Melbourne were just a really stoic, prolific. Um, they approached it in just a really systematic way. And they must, whatever was, I'd love to be a fly on the wall and whatever mixed in here said at quarter time, because obviously they changed some things up. Um, as you said, Brie, Brie Coden was gone for most of it. So that would have made a huge difference, but they adjusted things and they just went about it really systematically. I think for Brisbane, maybe there was more emotion attached to it. And as you say, they're in their new home ground. It's it, There's a lot of pressure because the 8,000 people there would have mostly been their supporters. So um, maybe it was just too much of an emotional situation for them um and it's been an emotional year for so many teams when you look at Adelaide when you know they lost they had a huge week leading up to it um off the back of some some pretty horrible news so we know that emotion does come into it and sometimes you just can't separate them and it's just who's better on the day here we go with the cliches again but I really do think that because they were the best team all season Mm. At the end of the day, it was only a few points. Like, it's easy to look at it like Melbourne didn't beat them by five goals, right? Like, it's they defended so stoically Brisbane. They could have easily had one moment that turned it in their favour. Um, you look at the Dakota Davidson um, mark and kick after after the siren, wasn't it? Like, that that missed or, you know, like, it's it's things like things like that, like little moments that we talk about that change games. And Melbourne would have learned a lot from their loss down at Casey Fields to Brisbane earlier in the year as well, where they had the tables turned on them so quickly. Um, they know how dangerous Brisbane, Brisbane can be, how good they are when they can get the ball out in space and run and carry. And if the all Australian selectors underrated Ali Anderson, I'm sure Melbourne didn't because they'd have known how uh, important she can be, how calm, composed, creative, um, and what an impact she can have in midfield and, Emily Bates, I still felt like was everywhere at times, like just trying to will herself into the contest. And some days, as you say, Sarah, it just doesn't fall your way. Like sometimes you break the tackle and other days you get pinned to the ground, right? Like it's, 
it's a lot of credit to Melbourne and the way they really defended things and were able to get things back on term in the midfield. I just feel like Lauren Pierce is such a force to be reckoned with in the ruck as well. I, I just feel like such an advantage to have her in there. Um, and it took away a lot for Brisbane as well, how well Wardlaw was shut down. Um, obviously been such a presence up forward for them this year. And yeah, that, that hurts a lot, but Ultimately, it just felt like, as we've as we've said time and time again, Melbourne had so many contributors. But anyway, in regards to Brisbane's legacy, um, I don't think it necessarily taints it. Like, you look how good Adelaide have been. Yeah, <laughs> like the 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 year they lost to Adelaide in the first year, Sabrina Frederick could have had a free kick and kick after the siren. Like it was that close. Um, yeah, the Bulldogs win that was that was probably the tough, the real tough one to take for them. Um, and yeah, they've lost to Adelaide twice, haven't they? So it's like um. It's, it's tough, um, but they do have at least one flag. It's not like they've just been in grand final, grand final, grand final and never won one. So I think that was what Bates said was it makes it hurt more when you know what it feels like to win one. So you look at it and you you could straight up go, oh, have they been the best team over these years and not got the rewards that they deserve? I mean, you could say that, but also they probably didn't deserve to win every single one of those grand finals, if that makes sense. I feel like maybe they've fallen a little bit short of where they should have given their consistent um, appearances as grand finals. I feel like they should have at least probably two flags to their name over the past seven seasons, but geez, they're hard to get into, let alone to win. And Melbourne just had that extra bit as much as, you know, you all want to win grand finals. Melbourne would have had that extra fire after really not showing up the way they would have liked in the first grand final this year. Um, they'd have had points to prove. They'd have had fiery rev ups. As you say, Sarah, you'd love to know what Mixtinia said. You'd love to know what some of their leaders said um, because the way they cracked in, and I'm thinking of like a West, for example, just went and went and went. Tyler Hanks just didn't stop. Like They were so aggressive. Taylor Harris was left with that bleeding cheekbone, I think, after one contest. like They looked pretty banged up after it all, and... Um, I was reading say Lily Mithen played through like this cut in her shin she's got. Um, like they, nothing was, it felt like nothing was stopping Melbourne if once they got on a roll, like as I said, once they hit the lead, it, it just felt like they were never going to see it again. So yeah, it's, it's hard to judge the Brisbane era as a whole because of that. Um, but no, I don't think they've let themselves down by any means. They've consistently been one of the best teams and they consistently show up. They don't get embarrassed. They are, yeah, they'll, I wouldn't be surprised if they're right back up there again next year. I think that's the way to sum it up. The Brisbane Lions will absolutely be saying, we go again, and I have no doubt that they will be going again. But I think that is us done not only for today, but for for Season 7 and for 2022 as a whole. So first and foremost, thank you so much for listening to us across the two seasons of AFLW this year, but particularly this last one. Thank you to Anna and Sarah for both of your delightful uh, remarks, facts, all of them, the opinions, the feelings. I've loved having a chat to you both every week. It's been very, very special. Uh, thanks to all of the boys at ESPN for all of their help beside behind the scenes rather as well. And we can't wait. It's, it's going to be a, a little bit of a long off season. I hope we have a longer season to talk about next year, but it's bloody exciting. I'm getting one last bloody in there. Sorry, between uh, us. <laughs> and Marissa, thanks to you for hosting, for wrangling us and keeping the show on the road. Yeah. It's nothing. <laughs> it's nothing.
That's this cool. would not happen every week without your Monday morning text of when are we going to record <laughs> and organizing the Zoom. <laughs> I feel like it wasn't even my text a lot of weeks, but it doesn't matter. We we have abs- I think I can speak for the three of us here. We've absolutely loved getting to talk about footy for you all every week, and we hope you've and we hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. So we can't wait to see you all next season. We'll have a few last bits and bobs over on ESPN.com.au, but. Until next time, we'll see you later for Season 8. Don't miss another episode of the ESPN Footy Pod by subscribing wherever you stream your podcasts. 